podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm bringing you a very special emergency uh, short notice episode because we have, of course, in the last 24 hours received confirmation that Gabriel Jesus uh, has sustained an injury that is likely to keep him out for the beginning of the season and at the time of recording he was in about 30% of teams, I think. It was very much a big part of the discussion about who are the best Arsenal players to own. Um, Also, in the best 8 million strikers to own as well, which is proving to be a popular category. And now, he's not around anymore. Well, at the very least, for the beginning of the campaign, we expect. Because we've had this update from Mikel Arteta that he's going to be likely out for a few weeks. And so then that puts him very much out of the conversation for Game Week 1 teams. Because if he is going to be out for a few weeks, perhaps maybe looking at a Game Week 3, Game Week 4 return, makes it very hard to justify him in a Game Week 1 team. And it means all change for fantasy managers. And so I thought I would uh, take this opportunity to uh, throw together a few uh, replacement options, have a look at a few things. Uh, that we could maybe do in the aftermath of this injury, which is is probably the biggest piece of injury news we've had in the preseason uh, so far, especially coming so close to the Community Shield final coming up this weekend, and of course Game Week One, uh, which starts next Friday as well. Uh, so apologies if any uh, think in this video is is a little bit higgledy piggledy and thrown together because we've sort of done it rather. Um, in spur of the moment because this is you know still very much breaking news in the in the FPL world so um yeah bear with <laughs> is all I'll say um I'll start off by giving you the exact picture on Gabriel Jesus for anyone wondering if maybe they can hold him it's going to be very difficult to do that I think because uh, Arteta uh, has said this after he missed the most recent preseason game for Arsenal so he said unfortunately he has had a little procedure this morning Uh, he had some discomfort in his knee that has been causing some issues and they had to go in and resolve it it's not something major but he is going to be out for a few weeks I think it's a big blow because we had him back to his best especially with the way he played against Barcelona and he was in good condition and we've lost him he's been feeling some discomfort in the last few weeks we had to look at it and we had to make a decision and the best one is to protect the player and get him back as quickly as possible Uh, so we decided to do it it's something related to the previous injury that he had and the surgery he had some irritation in the knee and we had to get it resolved so yeah as I said very much a resounding he's not going to be involved too heavily in the first few weeks of the campaign unfortunately for Jesus which is very disappointing of course because he came back uh, with with a bang certainly on the uh, on the pitch from a footballing perspective after his big injury last season uh, also uh, crept under the radar a little bit for FPL seven attacking returns in the last 12 game weeks which he was really matching those midfielders around him but for attacking returns but not quite so much for points necessarily because of the the dis- difference in classification and of course, was was popular for fantasy managers as well. Now, a couple of things here in these quotes. He obviously says he's going to be out for a few weeks, I think. And so it's worth, of course, keeping an eye on any future updates just in case. <laughs> he all of a sudden makes a miraculous recovery from this little procedure. But it seems unlikely if they've had to do something invasive into his knee. And of course, if it's, it's some something to do with that previous injury, which did keep him out for, for some time. 
then yeah, it, w- it would suggest that they are probably not going to take too many risks with him. Arguably, they have alternatives in his position, not necessarily like for like in terms of exactly what he achieves, but you know, Aketi is around, so he can he can play. And Trossard was involved as a little bit of a false nine last season. And of course, Arsenal have signed Kai Havertz, and we expected that he wasn't going to have to fulfil this false nine role from the beginning. But of course, a spot has just opened up, and it's also worth saying that Declan Rice actually played in the Shaka role in the most recent Arsenal preseason friendly so um, there's lots of options that Arsenal have to give Jesus the the, the maximum rest possible Um, and so yeah it does very much feel like we are going to have to continue our preparation for game week one without him and so here we are. Let's have a look for some Jesus uh, replacements. Now, a lot of the information you're going to see is from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. Now is the best time to sign up to uh, a package that gives you access to all of that. Um, if you do it now, you can save up to 30% on the preseason prices. And not only will you get access to all of these tables and tools uh, in, in a more interactive way than you're going to see them today, because I've just taken some screenshots for some specific data sets that I think are useful. But if you uh, want to look at a different period or different players or different stats, of course, course if you've got that membership you can do the same and you don't need me uh, you also get uh, the preseason guide for all FPL teams the uh, preseason minutes tracker season points projection team transfer planner and uh, drafts and best fantasy managers around including uh, some former winners as well so make sure you've got that sorted uh, of course and don't forget to uh, like this video subscribe to the fantasy football scout youtube channel and hit that bell notification so you don't miss any bits of content as you're preparing for game week one But without further ado, let's jump into Jesus' replacements and see where it's going to take us. And I've decided to start actually with the season ticker because uh, at the start of the season, I want to be making sure that I am getting bang for my buck with whoever I'm going to replace Jesus with uh, and so therefore the fixtures is a is a useful place uh, to start uh, in terms of who I feel is going to be um, yeah, just got the best possible opportunity to do well at the start of the season. And interestingly enough, does actually start with Chelsea. But therein lies our first problem. Now, what I should just say is that I do actually, I'm really stuck on what to do about Jesus. I've had him in my team all summer. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. Uh, I thought, hmm, okay, maybe this is an opportunity for me to have a, a bit of investment in the Chelsea attack. And at the start of the season, Liverpool at home, West Ham away, Luton at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Villa at home. So over the first six, according to the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker, they have the best fixtures. But unfortunately, um, Nkunku's now injured as well. <laughs> and so the, the the options here are slightly diminished uh, because, yeah, he came off uh, relatively early on against Dortmund. So he also is very much out of the conversation for now. It does sound like his injury is not quite as severe as I said, a little bit um, thrown together this video, so I've not had an opportunity to see anywhere any updates from Pochettino on his uh, situation, so do have a look and uh, see what's there, but it, it doesn't feel as bad from what we've seen. We've seen we've, I've seen videos of Nkunku walking after the game. Jesus obviously has had some kind of invasive procedure, so the severity of the two I think is probably slightly different, so maybe Nkunku perhaps comes back in uh in in a few days time few you know maybe a few weeks time we're not sure we we just have no idea but either way there's been an injury there that's very frustrating so it means that switching Jesus to Nkunku that's not going to work now thankfully at Chelsea we do have Nicholas Jackson who is doing quite well in pre-season uh, and of course would allow you to invest in those really nice fixtures at the start of the season so um the pre-season games that they've played so far uh, I've stuck them up on the screen, although um, I don't actually have the score and 
uh, assists from the Dortmund game. It was one all, um, and Jackson wasn't involved in the goals, but he did play, um, and he's he's been their most important asset in preseason. So in the so we got a five 0 win over Wrexham in which uh, Jackson got himself an assist. Then there was a four three win over Brighton uh, where Jackson uh, got himself a goal and two assists. Uh, he then scored in the one all draw with Newcastle. Uh, then there was a two 0 win over Fulham, the one all draw with Dortmund, and so all in all, uh, Jackson two goals, three assists. That's the uh, that's five attacking returns the most of any Chelsea player in the preseason and so already he's looking uh, in good shape uh, Chelsea unbeaten in their preseason and you have to say with the exception of Wrexham the quality of the opposition was strong and relevant too because three Premier League teams Brighton Newcastle Fulham Brighton and Newcastle of course two of last season's surprise packages that did really really well um, and you know it's no mean feat to get positive results against them, especially the disarray that Chelsea were in last season and a 2-0 win over Fulham as well, not to be sniffed at. So there's a lot to like about Chelsea's preseason. Uh, Jackson, of course, it would save you 1 million if you drop down to him from Jesus. And so... He is worth considering because of all of the strikers who are similarly priced. Uh, of course, he is the one with the best fixtures and has decent preseason form. The downside, and with all of these different assets we're going to look at, there is a pro and there is a con for a lot of them. The downside, of course, is he is untested in the Premier League, uh, and therefore it makes it difficult for us to be 100% certain that he is necessarily going to be having that instant impact on the English top flight. So they're the considerations you've got to make there if you want to look for... Um, Jackson as your replacement. So just going back to the season ticker and scrolling down uh, the list of teams that offer good fixtures but also offer a similarly priced uh, or similar um, uh, or similar fixtures. Uh, alternative to Jesus. Now, I've gone past Man City, who, of course, do have Alvarez. I've not talked about him in this video because um, we don't really have too many assurances he's definitely going to start games. And he, I'll briefly allude to him at the end um, because you know we're gonna I'm going to have a section at the end about really cheap strikers you know the ones that are in the price bracket below what I'm looking at here predominantly is either players in the same price bracket or what we're now going to look at is just alternatives at Arsenal because we start with Chelsea because they got the best fixtures for attacking returns it's Arsenal next after Man City Forest at home Palace away Fulham at home Man United at home Everton away Spurs at home of course you know if you had Jesus in your team you probably liked those fixtures didn't you so um, let's have a look there and if we're talking about looking for a direct replacement in terms of an FPL forward, then Enketia is the one to consider. He uh, played in this uh, draw that they had, uh, the, the game that uh, Jesus missed, um, and uh, he scored. And so there's a couple of people perhaps considering him. Uh, he is a lot cheaper this season, 5.5 million. The only downside here is... I don't know if this is too much of a long-term pick. Now, the thing about Jesus is it looks as if he's probably going to miss, well, we're talking a few weeks, so that, so let's guess roughly maybe game week three could be the last one he misses, something like that if he's missing a few weeks. And therefore, you know, he could be coming back towards the team in game week four. Alternatively, he recovers quicker uh, than perhaps expected and maybe comes back in for game week three, maybe comes back in for game week two. Either way, there's uncertainty around his return to the team. And you'd argue that when he does come back to the team, he is the best player uh, 
to play in that centre-forward role. And therefore, if you do go for Enketia, whilst it could save you lots of money, you could find yourself within a couple of weeks' time needing to remove him simply because he was just a stopgap in the team, keeping the place warm for Jesus to come back. There's also the fact that whilst he did fairly well last season, when Arsenal were arguably at their peak and their midfielders were at their peak, he wasn't really able to keep um, in touch with a lot of those around him. There was actually quite a large amount of XG underperformance from him, which is not to suggest he's a bad asset, but, um, you know... it makes me a little bit nervous that maybe he's not able to deliver uh, on on the chances afforded to him uh, that perhaps Jesus would have done. So it, it is still very much a downgrade. So what we've got on the screen right now, screenshot from the Fantasy Football Scout members area, it's game weeks 15 to 26 uh, for Arsenal. Uh, 12 game week period when they were, of course, operating very well. Uh, and you can see goals and assists in this period. Saka 10, Erdegaard 9, uh, Martinelli 6. Uh, and Ketia was... Um, a little bit below all those guys, well, a little bit below Martinelli, but significantly behind uh, Saka and Erdegaard with five attacking returns. And the key here really is that of all those players, he actually had a higher expected goal involvement than all of them, apart from Erdegaard, and managed to underperform by an XGI delta of minus 2.97. And so it means that what we saw in this period was that he was being afforded decent chances um, and you know opportunity to get assists as well. And they weren't uh, they weren't occurring as well as those around him. Saka was a good overperformer, but that tends to happen when you're as world-class as he is. Uh, Erdegaard and Martinelli were largely in line with their expected data. We're going to talk about Arsenal midfielders a bit later on because, of course, that is the other way that you can replace Jesus, but that, for most people, is probably going to involve some surgery, which is why I'm going to cover that off later. Uh, Jesus, by comparison, in game weeks uh, 27 to 38, he had the highest XGI of all Arsenal players uh, in that particular period and was basically the only one who was in line with that because at that particular point in time his XGI was actually like double all the midfielders Erdegaard, Saka, Martinelli etc and they largely overperformed against that and so they all ended up with uh, either seven or eight six seven or eight attacking returns in that period Jesus was the only one in line with that whereas uh, uh, Enketia here very much underperforming against his XGI so I would not want to look at uh, Enketia for all the reasons mentioned there probably going to be out of the team again when uh, Jesus comes back which could be within a few weeks uh, and then at the same time even in those games when you start him can we trust him as much as we can trust those midfielders to deliver on the promise well the numbers here suggest that we probably can't and that's before we even talk about Trossard and Havertz perhaps coming into the equation to be involved as a centre-forward uh, as well. So Enketia is a bit, a bit of a no for me. So let's head back to those fixtures. And unfortunately, it's very bleak. It's very bleak for uh, looking at players who are a similar price to Jesus who have good fixtures. Because we scroll down that fixture ticker and next up is Brentford uh, with theirs, uh, a run of Spurs, Fulham, uh, Palace, Bournemouth, Newcastle and Everton. Of course, Tony is in the same bracket, but he's not going to be involved until January. Uh, Visser uh, is very much uh, a lot cheaper. And so downgrading to him potentially means uh, a slight change of, of system. And of course, the other thing is that if we think that Jesus is, if you thought that Jesus was good, which presumably you did because you had him in your team, you probably want to keep that 8 million slot kind of open. You know, we talk a lot about price points uh, on the channel and a lot of the, the, the pro pundits that we speak to are very much big on those uh, price points. And so by completely changing the structure of your forward line to downgrade to a Visser, 
uh, it might make it difficult for you to get onto Jesus later if that's what you want. So it's it's difficult to to make too many direct comparisons with those guys. So I'm as I said, I'm going to kind of round up a lot of those stupid guys at the end. So we got to skip past Brentford there. Man United next. Nope, we haven't got any forward options there. Spurs, nope, we haven't got any forward options there outside of Harry Kane, uh, who, of course, is 12.5, very hard to squeeze in. Palace, Everton, Brighton, Wolves, loads of clubs that are in the top half for attacking fixture potential, but just do not offer a striker in this bracket. So we then actually, um, on the on the fixtures, are not scraping the barrel, but certainly uh, um, we're embarking into the bottom half of teams with attacking potential over the first six game weeks, according to the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker, and it's Liverpool next, with Chelsea away, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle away, Villa at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. And as I've sort of said, the recurring theme of this video is that we're very much going to find here that replacing Jesus is going to be super difficult, because if you do go with a Liverpool striker... Look at the drop-off in fixture potential there. You know, they're about eight places below Arsenal on the attacking potential on the season ticker. And so if you do go for one of these Liverpool strikers, you are really downgrading the um, the fixture difficulty to something that's a lot harder. And so let's have a look. But let's have a look at those guys anyway. So it's, it's Darwin uh, and uh, Gakpo who are the options here, both at 7.5. Um, personally, I think I'd... Pr I you know what, I'm not even really going to say who I prefer because I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, Nunez has done very well in the preseason. Uh, four goals and one assist uh, from the games that they've played. Liverpool have been very goals heavy, but they've also conceded a lot. Um, Gakpo, two goals and one assist, but it was Gakpo that led the line against Munich, which, you know, of course, is the hardest game they've had in preseason so far because they beat Karlsruhe 4-2. They beat Gruther 4-4. Uh, sorry, they beat them. They drew with them 4-4. Then they beat Leicester 4-0. And then they conceded four goals as they lost 4-3 to Munich. So with Gakpo being the one trusted to lead the line in that game, that probably um, hands him uh, a little bit of preference there. He's, he's had more preseason minutes than Nunes as well. Uh, and usually we're looking for minutes and which role players are playing as being a more uh, accurate test of who's likely to start game week one rather than necessarily who scored the goals um, so Nunes has the advantage in that goals department but Gakpo probably has the advantage uh, in terms of yeah the minutes played uh, and but it, but it's very difficult to get excited about these guys because uh, Nunes of course last season was was a serial underperformer a bit of a chaos machine at times you know would have very high XGI in certain scenarios and then would just constantly hit the post or the bar and wouldn't be able to finish his dinner uh, and wasn't really all that in heavily involved in starting games towards the back end of last season um, largely I think because of those issues in front of goal uh, Gakpo did very well when he came in uh, in terms of what he brought to the team off the ball uh, and what he was able to bring in terms of creativity but was he a significant goal threat not really and I suppose the thing is we're going to come on to this a bit later on because what for what it means for my team because my team is a mess now because of this injury <laughs> uh, I'd had Salah for example you know it, it's very very difficult to be honest to say that you can cover Salah with these guys, largely because um, Salah's in my team, not because of the fixtures, but because of the form. He, he was in a complete different league to Nunes and Gakpo towards the end of last season. Um, and yeah, he's also doing well in the preseason. Well, one goal, six assists. So he's still doing really well, more for creativity than for goals. But I don't I'm not looking here to cover Salah. Uh, so I'm not looking here to cover Liverpool as much as I would want to cover Salah uh, if I went for one of these guys because I may have to change shape. Again, another issue. And I just don't think Nunes and Gakpo can cut it, which seems obvious to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. So 
I'm not all that enamored by them, to be honest. And so then um, let's have a look at down the, six, the season ticker again. And the next team that we reach as we scroll downwards is Newcastle. That's where we're at next in terms of that attacking potential, which just feels like a rubbish place to be because everybody's looked at their fixtures and gone, hmm, they're not great. Uh, so it's Villa at home, City away, Liverpool at home, Brighton away, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away. I mean, it's already not very appealing at all, is it? Uh, we've got two options here. It's Wilson and Isak. And there's some good numbers behind Wilson. So he actually finished last season in the last 12 game weeks with an expected goal involvement of 9.59, which was actually the second highest amongst all forwards. It was higher than Kane. It was uh, the only one above him was Haaland, of course. And so he is a good form pick in, in many ways. Uh, of course, he wasn't necessarily always starting games. That didn't have to be an issue. He actually sometimes recorded higher expected goal involvements in games when he came on as a substitute. Um, he also was involved in penalties uh, as well. But you have to say, when you look at the Newcastle situation as we go into the new season, it's hard to tell exactly what the team is going to look like uh, once the European football cuts in, uh, for example, those early fixtures before the uh, European uh, football comes in. So maybe when we've got a better idea of who's going to play, you know, we've got to see them play Man City and Liverpool. Liverpool haven't defended all that well and Man City would, would concede uh, even when they didn't really give away too many chances last season. So maybe you might be able to chance your hand here at a Wilson. But... You don't necessarily know if he's going to start. As I said, that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but largely we have a lot of ground rules that we like to follow at the start of the season. If you don't know that someone's super nailed, it's hard to invest. Um, and and the reason that we just we just don't know is because they've just got you know uh, Barnes has come in, which uh, you know he can play on the left hand side. Uh, Isak uh, could play there as well. Um, it was very rare that we saw Isak and Wilson play together, for example. So if uh, Eddie Howe prefers what Isak brings to the team over Wilson, um, you know. And Wilson being very good as a sub, uh, impact substitute uh, for spells last season, could that mean that uh, Howard goes in that direction? Surely you'd expect that Wilson couldn't keep up these stats as a substitute on a longer-term basis, you'd guess. Maybe he can. But the point is, is that I just felt there's lots and lots of questions here, and it's very, very difficult to really uh, invest too heavily uh, in either of these strikers. I mean, uh, Isak was, was, was on this table uh, as well, so he was uh, eighth best for expecting goal involvement uh, in this period. But, you know, players above him, Solanke, Tony, Jesus, so, you know, it's a downgrade. <laughs> Watkins, Kane, uh, Wilson, and Haaland. So Wilson is the better of Wilson and Isak if he's going to play. Is he going to play? We don't know. Ah, too many questions. I'm going to stop asking those questions and I'm going to move on now. One person you will have noticed also on this chart uh, is uh, Ollie Watkins. And he seems to be the one that a lot of people are turning to. It's worth saying that their fixtures at the start of the season aren't necessarily... They don't set the world on fire as far as the season ticker is concerned. Newcastle away, Everton at home, Burnley away, Liverpool away, Palace at home, Chelsea away. Um, you know, it's the Everton, Burnley and Palace games that look... Really nice. Newcastle away is not that much of a good fixture for most teams. But, of course, Aston Villa did do very well against Newcastle last time out. And they managed to score three goals past them in pre-season. They've already met each other in the summer. And they scored three goals. So, maybe they're okay there. You know, Liverpool on the season ticker, I think, um, are still... <laughs> I still think that Liverpool are easier to score against than the season ticker suggests. I think it's it's right that the season ticker ranks them as a difficult fixture, but I think that uh, in reality, they need to sort out their defensive issues. You know, you look at those preseason games you saw with them, four goals conceded to Munich, four goals conceded to Gruther Firth, for example. You know, 
they've got some work to do defensively and maybe uh, Aston Villa can uh, make the most of that. So the fixtures are sort of, they're mixed. Got some really good ones and they've got some difficult teams who we feel like they can probably do something against, but you know, you can't necessarily always rule out um, Newcastle, Liverpool, teams that have, uh, well, one team that has played in the Champions League of late and has won it in the last few years and one team that has done so well last season they've qualified for it. So we've got two Champions League quality teams there. You know, it's, it's difficult to get too excited about someone scoring against them. So there's, there's trade-offs and caveats you've got to think about there. But Watkins' form is actually still pretty good from the end of last season. Um, so in those last 12 game weeks, uh, he had 34 shots in the box. Only Haaland uh, had more uh, than him. Of course, Callum Wilson had the higher XGI, as we saw on the previous slides. Uh, but, you know, Wilson just was involved in more penalties. You know, take those away from him. Uh, in that comparison, then Watkins is the one who is more dangerous from open play and also still has the penalties at Villa. He did miss some last time out, but he took one in the preseason and has scored it. So, um, you know, in that comparison between Watkins and Wilson, I probably would go Watkins, to be honest, because of the higher expected minutes and just this, this additional level of threat from open play, which probably comes from playing more minutes. So 34 shots in the box in that period, that was the second best. Uh, and then uh, in terms of shots on target, uh, it was uh, 20, which was the joint best, uh, more than Haaland in actual fact. Uh, and so, you know, uh, fair play there. 14 big chances. The only one with more among all forwards than him was Haaland. So again, keeping good company. Lots of shots in the box among forwards. Lots of big chances and the joint most shots on target. Um, looking very good for him there. And the other thing, of course, that Watkins does actually have is he does have a decent amount of creativity. Now, uh, what we've got on the screen now is just uh, forwards ranked for creativity in the last 12 game weeks of the season. He managed to fashion uh, 11 key passes, three big chances within that. Uh, just three forwards uh, created more than him, Welbeck, Kane and Gakpo. And so um, you may have noticed on some of these slides, just going back to Gakpo, that he was sort of outside the top 10 for a lot of the goal threat amongst some of these forwards. What he was very good at was the creativity. Could argue maybe is going to play the Firmino role uh, at Liverpool this season if he's going to be afforded that centre-forward role because clearly his creativity compared to other forwards is much better than his goal threat compared to other forwards. Now, the handy thing for Watkins is that he's not too far off what Gakpo uh, is offering in terms of that creative potential, but is way better for that goal threat. Uh, and so him performing very well on both of these metrics is, is really important here uh, because you can see that he's in a similar territory to, say, Wilson and Isak for that goal threat, but better than their creativity, for example. And, of course, in the comparisons with the with the Chelsea guys and Kunku, if he is able to recover, and Jackson, uh, well, you know, as I said, they're not on these tables because they're not proven in the Premier League, and maybe that's what pulls them out of your consideration. So I think of all the forwards, probably Watkins is the one that I'm most interested in, and he was already being seen as an alternative to Jesus by a few people, uh, not least including Az, who did his team reveal with us yesterday. Unfortunately, we recorded it before the Jesus injury, but he wasn't all that keen on him anyway, so you, you can listen to that little five-minute segment with uh, some irony, knowing that we weren't aware of what was to come, but he does talk up Watkins there, um, so do go check that out uh, if you get time, uh, because that'll probably be useful for helping confirm what, you, what you're feeling about Watkins. 
Hopkins um, if you were already looking at him as a, as a decent asset. And as I said, I think loosely my conclusion here is that Watkins is the, is the best alternative similarly priced forward for the start of the season, if that's the way you want to go. Now, let's move on to other alternatives that involve different positions. And this is where it starts to get really messy. And this is what I mean about the fact that I'm actually really annoyed about this development because it's probably going to mean a lot of surgery for my team. My team's going to have to change uh, shape in many ways. Now, other people are probably going to be fine. Um, other people might be in a similar situation. So let us know in the comments what this um, injury means for you. But of course, at Arsenal, we do have some really nice midfielders who are worth considering. Erdegaard, Saka, um, Trossard, Martinelli, Havertz are probably all going to have a strong uh, campaign. And let's just drop back to the fixtures, actually, because, of course, you know, by going with these midfielders who are largely similarly priced as Jesus, but in a different position, you know, clearly liked Arsenal's fixtures. That's why you had Jesus in the first place. Forest at home, Palace away, Fulham at home, United at home, Everton away, Spurs at home across the first six. That's the third highest on the season ticker for attacking potential. Um, in terms of what uh, we saw with the midfielders in terms of how they finished last season, you know, we, we did see a lot of overperformance in the last 12 game weeks of the campaign. But uh, with a lot of these guys, it doesn't necessarily have to be a concern if you think that they're the sort of player that can sustain and persistently overperform their XG. Um, you know, Saka, for example, um, is very much being talked about as, as a world-class player and world-class players typically can overperform quite nicely. Uh, but they were all kind of much, it was all a bit of a much of a muchness in terms of their actual output in the last 12 game weeks of the season. Seven attacking returns for Martinelli, seven for Erdegaard, six for Saka, but he does have the penalties and they only had one in that run. So if they get more, that can that can easily bump up. Trossard with eight. Saka with, uh, Shaka, uh, get there in the end. Shaka with six. Havertz, we think, is going to come in to play that role. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, attacking potential here. And, you know, there's there's different um, ways they're going to offer that threat. You know, Martinelli, uh, very much kind of inside forward. Trossard, potentially a bit of an impact substitute. Saka, the penalty taker, uh, and someone who plays a lot of minutes. Uh, and Odegaard is someone who's very good at ghosting in from a number eight position. Uh, but also scoring long distance goals and overperforming XG is something that he has been good at predominantly for a lot of last season. So that, that's how they're going to get their goals. Um, and which one of these ones you go with, I'm seeing so much disparity in terms of what people are doing. Saka is the favourite. Um, if you're going to have a second one, you know, I'm seeing Martinelli in some teams, Erdegaard and others, for example. And of course, Az has got Havertz as well because he likes his spicy picks. Um, and, you know, separating them, I think, is difficult. And I think whoever you go for probably, probably going to be uh, okay. Uh, the other alternatives you can do in order to enable this, of course, is to go for some cheaper strikers. And what I've got on the screen is just a screenshot from the Rate My Team tool, which is in the Fantasy Football Scout members area, which is points projections for the season. And what I discovered when I came here is that really this this bracket is actually a lot more um, of a bleak environment than I thought it was. I've had Visser in my team for quite some time. And the more I look at a few things related to him, I'm a bit less excited about what he's going to bring to my FPL team. You know, we got uh, this was this this screenshot was uh, from a, uh, about a week ago before we were fully aware of just how uh, Calvert-Lewin's uh, fitness situation was. So he actually is top of it at the moment, but it's probably going to drop down. Um, we've got a one-year Ferguson, Alvarez, uh, Solanke, Antonio, Visser. You know, none of these players excite me, and the and the points projection is 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 not really too excited about them either. Uh, and so, if you want uh, to have a look at um, 
more detail on what the points projections are for some of these players and do head to the members area once you've sorted out your uh, package for the new season and, and have a look and it really just makes you think oh i don't i don't really fancy a lot of these guys and therefore if you don't fancy lots of these guys the, really why i'm now less excited about Vissa is having Vissa. if if he doesn't perform who's my alternative in this bracket well there isn't really too much option here. Um, and so therefore, it makes me nervous about being invested in specifically that price point, uh, especially if you had Jesus before dropping down to a 6 million. A lot of you had Jesus because you felt, hmm, okay, I can once I get through Arsenal's first three or four fixtures, because they do get a bit more difficult after that uh, run, I can switch to a Watkins. I can switch to uh, a Jackson or an Nkunku or maybe one of those Liverpool guys. You can switch to them relatively easy from having Jesus. But if you have one of these guys as your replacements, one of these 6 million, 6.5s, switching to any of those guys I mentioned there from Liverpool, Chelsea, Aston Villa, etc., it's going to be much harder. And so it's very difficult to justify that. And so let's um, put my team on the screen right now to help illustrate the issues that this injury has caused my team. So this is my team as it was uh, yesterday. Um, Jesus, of course, is now uh, uh, dark orange flagged. He's 25% chance of playing game week one. So it's Flecken and Strakosha in goal. Uh, largely ignored the defence because I feel like I need to do some work here. I was hopeful about Wambasaka, but I don't know. Preseason hasn't gone as two is in the direction as I'd like it, so I may need to do some changes there. But Wambasaka, Supernan Stones, Mitchell, and Dina as my back uh, five, uh, and then I had a it was a three four three formation, which was Bruno, Salah, Foden, Matoma, Visser, Harland, Jesus, and then the Cambers on the bench, and so so that's what my team was then. But taking Jesus out and bringing all of these considerations I just mentioned there uh, to bear on the situation, I was very, very stumped about how to handle this because, yes, fine, I could just make a simple switch to Watkins. Uh, but then if I do that, this current team has no Arsenal attackers. Now, I do think that Arsenal's uh, fixtures are worth investing in quite heavily, maybe games one, two, three, but they, they sort of start to tail off a little bit. They drop down the season ticker as you start to remove the earlier game weeks. And so um, I, that's why I only had the one attacker on this draft, which I appreciate is not completely meta. But by taking him out, I haven't got anyone, and that is a position I don't want to be in. And therefore, by removing Jesus and replacing him with, uh, well, first off, I didn't want to replace him with Nketiah. I didn't want Nketiah to be my uh, Arsenal investment for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, by going to Watkins, if I do that, I need to find an Arsenal midfielder, which is very, very difficult in a world where I definitely want to have a United midfielder. At the moment, it's Bruno, could be Rashford. Um, I definitely want to stay invested in the Brighton attack because I think that they're a good placeholder uh, for perhaps a Chelsea or a Spurs midfielder. Uh, after because Brighton's fixtures are really good to start with and then they tail off just as Chelsea and Spurs get better. So I really want to stay invested there. Um, I, I feel like Foden is worth having as well because I'm relatively confident that he's going to survive Pep Roulette long enough to, um, to do some damage with the really nice fixtures that they have. And therefore, I'm then now looking at Salah, who I had in my team for form over fixtures and thinking oh, he might have to be the one that has to go if I want to stay in this uh, formation, especially. And uh, oh, it was it was difficult because I, I made a lot of work in 
I put a lot of work into making this draft work. I do think Salah is going to have a decent season. Is he worth breaking a team to uh, include him? That was the dilemma. Once I actually found a setup I liked, which I was able to do by having Jesus as my Arsenal attacker instead of one of the midfielders, because I did like Jesus. Ugh, now I'm in a situation where that's very difficult to make work. So I've made two different teams, and I hate them both, by the way. I hate both of my alternative teams here. Um, and so, firstly, I tried a 3 5 2. Uh, which uh, involved doing Jesus to uh, Watkins, uh, and then it involved um, doing Visser down to Mubama uh, at West Ham. Um, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, I sort of gone off Visser now that I realise just how big the six million bracket is um, for forwards. And so I had a bit of cash to spend, and in order to get uh, to um, an Arsenal midfielder. It was Salah who had to make way, so I moved him to Erdegaard, and then by um, downgrading uh, Visser to Mubama as well, I, I basically just was able to spread some money around and get Saka as well as an upgrade on uh, Nakamba, so they didn't have Nakamba and Mubama because that would just be silly. And so then my team then becomes Bruno, Erdegaard, Foden, Matoma, Saka, Haaland, and Watkins. Now I said I hate it. I only hate it because I now don't have Salah, and I had started slowly coming around to the idea that it would be quite nice to have him. You know, if you're going to have Salah captaining him in game week two probably is is quite a nice little tilt uh, because while we think that Haaland is the best captain option as a whole for game weeks one to six I still think that Salah is the better option in game week two it was just whether or not you break your team to get him in I felt I'd found a team where it wasn't broken in order to have him it's hard to justify that without Jesus because I really have to cover Arsenal's midfield instead and Salah just had to make way and so that's why I don't like this that's why I'm like I just felt like my team was different and now I'm sort of a little bit more um, template there's nothing wrong with being template I think sometimes it's important to be template especially at the beginning but um, I just felt that Salah could potentially um, you know be the difference maker for me. Uh, another one that I tried was staying in 3 4 3. And so, um, I should just say, with all of this, my um, defense stayed exactly the same. Um, I just, for the sake of the fact that Anderson's looking nicely, I thought I'd just afford myself an indulgent switch of <laughs> Nagamba to uh, to Anderson. Um, but yeah, what I what I did with the rest of the team was, again, it's Jesus to Watkins. Uh, then it was Salah to Erdegaard. And that actually left me with loads of money this this draft has so much money in the bank I think it's like three million and I don't really know what to do with it and so um, I, I sort of toyed with the idea of putting Jackson uh, up front but again I hate this draft I don't like this draft. <laughs> Bruno Erdegaard Foden Matoma Jackson Harnard and Watkins Jackson I, I, I he looks good in preseason but do I really want to you know bank on him just having an instant impact in the Premier League for game week one I don't really want to do that and again it's just a, another draft where it's harder to get salary it's really frustrating losing Jesus I think just makes it a lot harder uh, to fit uh, Salah in personally I mean I could maybe upgrade Bruno to Salah but I think that United's fixtures are better um, I don't have enough money to do Foden or Matoma up to Salah and again both of those teams have better fixtures than Liverpool at the beginning and so it's with a heavy heart that it makes me think that to be honest this Jesus injury makes it that little bit harder for people to build a Salah draft because I think I just think all those midfielders there are, are more important. And of course, they're all in those brackets where you want to switch from one price point to another. This, of course, gives me more flexibility uh, to move through a lot of those um, different price brackets. You know, if Salah does well, I'm not going to sell him. And therefore, I've got fewer slots in those other categories in order to reach um, some of the, the players that are looking good in those categories. So it's 
very frustrating for me. Not everybody will share the frustration. If you already weren't on Jesus, you know, you're probably quite happy. Um, but, you know, either way, if, if you were without Jesus and you were maybe with all of the alternatives, it probably is frustrating for you as well because it means more people are going to be invested in the alternatives to Jesus that you had, be that Watkins or, you know, uh, Erdegaard, Martinelli, Saka, etc. You know, the, the Arsenal alternatives in midfield. So it's, it's, it's a big... Um, development in the preseason, as I said, this is the biggest development that we've had so far, I think, in terms of changing that meta. Um, because, yeah, as I said at the beginning, it's very, very difficult to justify Jesus in our teams now, uh, sadly. As I said, uh, a lot of the information you've seen here, of course, was taken from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. And uh, yeah, you can save up to 30% on those preseason prices. So now is the time uh, to sign up if you haven't done so already. Um, you know, all of those tables and charts, there's just so much there that you can go in yourself and have a look and play around with. You know, I've obviously used the period game week 27 to 38 as a decent litmus test for how teams finish the campaign because quite often I see those trends carry on for maybe the first six to eight weeks of a new season because, you know, teams get back into their rhythm and that's what they used to etc uh, but if you feel like that's not a relevant uh, period for you to uh, get some answers from then of course going into the members area and uh, tweaking those game week ranges will give you the answer to you know what you think is the you know the the best conclusion to draw from maybe a data period that's different to the one I've used for example maybe you want to look at some different stats as well or maybe you want to look at them in different form because you know some of those uh, numbers that we saw in terms of like shots and what the quality was and uh, expected goals expected all of those different stats, you can visualize those on some maps as well. You've got touch maps, XG shot maps, chance creation maps, things like that. So if you're a more visual person, you can check those out as well. They're very, very useful. So, But of course, you can only do that if you signed up for Fantasy Football Scout membership. So make sure you've sorted that out before the start of the season. Uh, one last reminder, of course, to uh, like this video and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. And hit that bell notification uh, so that you don't miss a thing. If you were perhaps, you know, having a... Uh, <laughs> a bit a busy week and you'd maybe missed the jesus news that notification from the fantasy football scout youtube channel might be how you found out there was an injury so clicking that bell notification means any other updates like that you are not going to miss them and that will be very useful when you're building your team for game week one but with that i will leave you fine folks to the tinkering of that team and i will see you next time